Hi, and welcome to this installment of our new Books at the Heyman Center panel podcast, sponsored by Columbia's Office of the Divisional Deans in the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, the Middle East Institute, the Department of Middle Eastern, South Asian, and African Studies, the Institute for Comparative Literature and Society, Columbia University Press, and the Society of Fellows and Heyman Center for the Humanities. I'm Anne Levitsky. Today's podcast celebrates Hagop Kevorkian Professor of Iranian Studies and Comparative Literature Hamid Dabashi's The Shanameh, the Persian epic as world literature. First, we'll hear Hamid speaking about his book at the panel, and then I'll bring you my interview with Gorder Professor of Islamic World Studies and of Sociology at Lake Forest College, Ahmad Sadri. Now, this uh, magnificent book, by magnificent, I don't mean the content, I mean the, the cover, uh, is, uh, is the work I have to acknowledge my, my dear uh, editor, uh, Philip Leventhal, who is uh, a miracle of an editor, has a gentle, caring, competent hand, but allows you to do what you think you should do. Uh, I want uh, publicly let, uh, Philip to thank uh, Philip. And then Lisa Ham, the uh, art designer, because uh, Shahnameh is a, is a much illustrated book, as you know, and is a very maximalist painting. And I sat down with Lisa and I said, I don't want maximalist, I want minimalist, almost abstract uh, painting. So we managed to get these uh, original from Metropolitan, from uh, the Shah Tahmas, uh, uh, manuscript which has been torn into pieces by Houghton uh, and then uh, Lisa managed to make this beautiful cover for which I'm uh, grateful. Now my next set of thank you are to my colleagues. Each one of these three colleagues of mine who are sitting here have had an uh, instrumental role in my writing of this book. First and foremost Gayatri. Gayatri G has been our uh, our uh, teacher in many significant ways and every the prose of this book is really the way Gayatri thinks even on occasions that I have parted ways uh, respectfully with uh, Gayatri uh, still the road has been determined by uh, Gayatri's thinking in comparative literature Brian uh, I owe a special uh, note of gratitude because Brian read this book before publication with extraordinary care and competence and gave me uh, wonderful suggestions. I didn't do whatever he said I should do. In fact, sometimes I went exactly the opposite of uh, what he he said that I should do. But I'm eternally grateful to Brian. Now, that brings me to Ahmad. The field of Shahnami scholarship is a very serious business. And for somebody like me, who is not a Shahnami scholar, to barge into their uh, domain uh, takes chutzpah, as we say. I'm blessed with the friendship of two solid Shahnami scholars. One of them is Ahmad Sadri, and one is Mahmoud Omid Sadr. They take Shahnami very seriously. As, as Mahmoud told me, and I cite him in the book, I take Shahnami the way an Orthodox Jew looks at the, the Bible. This is how seriously they take it. But I've been blessed with their friendship, and they entertain, and they allow me to do what I want to do with, uh, with uh, Shahnameh. Uh, so I'm grateful Ahmad has read parts of the book that uh, they agreed, uh, and they have commented on it. 
Uh, I don't want to implicate them in what I say about Shahnameh. Uh, they have their own mind and their own sort of set of uh, ideas about the Shahnameh. But my, uh, just very briefly, what it is that I have tried to do, I stand on the, uh, uh, the bridge between two sorts of scholarship. One is the Shahnameh scholarship, which is self-contained and very serious and very engaged. And one is the field of uh, comparative literature. And uh, in many significant ways, they are not on speaking terms with each other. They have their own world, and significant world, an important world, an engaging world. And in my book, I, uh, not by any intention of ambassadorial intention, simply by the logic of my own work, that as Mamadou said, uh, has brought me to Shahnameh. Ferdowsi has spent proverbially 30 years writing the Shahnameh. I dared to collect my courage to write about Shahnameh after 30 years of teaching it. In fact, this is exactly the 31st of my teaching at Columbia, and from day one I've been teaching Shahnameh. And in many ways, as a result, this book is a, a Columbia book, because you will see many of my students appearing in it in successive seminars that I have taught uh, the Shahnam. But by disposition, I have, I'm not an antiquarian. I have not said, oh, here is a magnificent book of uh, Persian epic, come and read it, it's good for you. It's a very contemporary book. It begins by articulation of three different worlds. The world in which Ferdowsi wrote the Shahnam, late someone in the early Ghazali period, uh, and is a particular period uh, uh, in Eastern uh, Islamic domain. Uh, the second is the world that he creates in the Shahnameh. Uh, and the third is the world in which we read the Shahnameh today. And that is a very particular world. And that world I take very seriously. And uh, when I engage with my colleague, uh, Franco Moretti, you will see about modern epic, the question is what would be a modern epic for us without necessarily taking into account poets like Nazim Hikmat, like Faiz Ahmad Faiz, like Mahmoud Darwish, like Ahmad Shamlu, like Pablo Neruda. So you will see me towards the end of the book engaging with what today in our part of, part of the world we consider to be modern epic, but it's not a modern epic that you can pick, it's, it's a scattered. Um, then there are three coordinates of time, which, which complicates the notion of timing. Shahnameh has its own internal uh, dynamics of temporality. Uh, historically, the scholars divide the time into mythic period, the heroic period, and the historical period. And these are very distinct periods within the Shahnameh narrative, which I follow the line of the scholarship uh, as it is accepted by scholars. But then I move forward, I, I take one a step further, that suppose if we consider the totality of the Shahnameh as a literary uh, uh, phenomenon, uh, uh, without dividing it into these heuristic uh, uh, parameters of historical and uh, heroic and, and mythic. Suppose we take that as a reality sui generis, then what does it do to the question of uh, temporality? 
towards the end of the book, I come very much to this time. Uh, by this time, I mean late 19th, early 20th century, when Shahnameh becomes a seminal text in, uh, in Iran, obviously, but also in, uh, in India, a seminal text in the Ottoman territories, and also in the Arab world. I take the, there is a translation of uh, Shahnameh in Arabic in 11th century by uh, uh, Al-Bundari. Al-Bundari translated the Shahnameh into Arabic, but his collection, except for a few manuscripts that existed, were not being much attention to until early 20th century, a seminal Egyptian scholar, Abdul Wahab Azzam, uh, comes across the Arabic translation through E.G. Brown and spends a lifetime preparing a critical edition of uh, Al-Bundari and augmenting it by his own translation of passages that Al-Bundari had not translated. And the text of uh, Azzam becomes so seminal in critical edition of the Shahnameh that there is no critical edition of Shahnameh uh, the, uh, after Azzam that does not take into consideration Bundari's Arabic translation as a seminal text as to how to reconstruct the Ur text of, uh, of uh, the original uh, Shahnameh. Uh, so towards the end, I have, uh, the, the book is, starts very slowly and gently and, and uh, cautiously about who was Ferdowsi, this poet, who spent 30 years uh, uh, predicated on a uh, existing prose Shahnameh that uh, was available to him, and then a beginning of a tra- uh, uh, composition into a poetry by Dariri, who dies, who's killed before he finishes, and his composition was available to Ferdowsi, and Ferdowsi cites it. And eventually he finishes uh, uh, the book. Uh, then I uh, go through a sort of a historical genealogy of various gestation of this text in various imperial contexts, how it is used and abused, and ultimately my argument is that if we consider the poetics of the book as opposed to the politics of the books, uh, it is a Trojan horse, to borrow a metaphor from another uh, epic. It is a Trojan horse that emperors and, and sultans and kings and such, they are, they are having it written and, and uh, composed and uh, uh, illustrated without knowing that it is actually a very subversive text. If you take the stories uh, seriously, that subversiveness to me is seminal not only in successive imperial gestations of the Shahnameh, but ultimately when it comes to, uh, uh, to the period of post-colonial nation-state, when the text is beginning to be used and abused by Reza Shah in construction of his uh, nationalism, and then even uh, under the Islamic Republic. So ultimately, just to cut to the chase, uh, I've only been given eight minutes for which I'm grateful. <laughs> It is a celebration of a book of poetry and the poetics of it. Uh, in the process that I bring it to the domain of, of looking what kind of world Ferdowsi exa- uh, creates and what kind of world he enables to be generated and what kind of agency it generates in those who take it seriously and read it are tangential theoretical uh, issues. Uh, let me stop here and thank you again for coming and yield the floor to my distinguished learned scholars. 
Now, we'll hear my interview with Gorder Professor of Islamic World Studies and of Sociology at Lake Forest College, Ahmad Sadri. I'm speaking with Ahmed Sadri, the Gorder Professor of Islamic World Studies and Professor of Sociology at Lake Forest College. Thank you so much for speaking with me this morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you for calling me. Um, so I thought we could start uh, with something that you spoke about at the panel, which was that Hamid's book asked questions about the very concept of world literature and how Shaname necess- necessitates a paradigm shift for this concept, to use your words from the panel. Um, and I was wondering, could you discuss the field of world literature and its development, and also how this idea of world literature as it stands is fundamentally unable to incorporate Shaname? Yes, uh, the, the point that Hamid is making in his critique of world literature in his book, um, I kind of uh, likened it uh, to a poem by a 13th century Persian poet, Saadi, mm-hmm. who says, uh, either don't befriend elephant trainers <laughs> or build a house fit for the elephant. Right. And uh, so the idea is not so much that Shahnameh should be included or that it has been neglected. Uh, it should We should kind of expand the palace of world literature at a wing or, you know, um, maybe expand the gate. It's that the way it, in which it has been conceived it has been conceived in isolation from Shahnameh and Shahnameh is such a radically different beast that uh, this edifice should be basically raised to the ground and rebuilt I see. Uh, and uh, the way uh, for instance the both the right wing uh, so to speak orientalist and the left wing advocates of world literature or the more liberal ones uh, none of those ideas uh, are going to accommodate the Shahnameh for instance uh, the David Quint's idea of epics of conquest and epics of defeat that binary uh, shows the penury mm. of this uh, world literature paradigm because Shahnameh is uh reads like an epic of conquest because it's linear and it's a story of a series of victories but it's also episodic it has stories that are fit in the narrative Mm -hmm. that kind of hang in the air so it is a in this sense it's both an epic of conquest and epic of defeat it uh, relates the story of uh, spectacular conquests of heroes and at the same time it includes the tragedy of life the tragedy of death the uh, suffering of the victims and so it kind of explodes that binary Uh, it is uh, not only an epic uh, and Ferdowsi was not a kind of Persian Homer uh, because Ferdowsi's magnum opus uh, starts with a kind of a theogony um, Mm. 
in the in in the in the manner of Hesiod, it's kind of a, a mythological introduction, and then it goes into a kind of a Homeric epic that mm-hmm. is to the two two thirds of the book, and the last one third is kind of not unlike a histories of Herodotus. Mm-hmm. So Ferdowsi combines Hesiod, Homer, and uh, and uh, uh, the historians. Uh, such as Herodotus. So um, the uh, whole idea is that Shahnameh is such a radically different kind of work that we really need to reconsider this whole edifice and rebuild it from 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 scratch. And this is um, Hamid's uh, contribution to the uh, Shahnameh studies, but also as a literary critic, uh, his contribution to world literature. So this this mix of three different uh, types of um, writing, the mythological introduction, these epics of conquest, but also epics of defeat in the episodic nature of the poem, and then at the end, a sort of history a la Herodotus, perhaps, um, makes this poem... Uh, uh, unlike anything else that we um, would study under this current pantheon of world literature. Yes, and I would mm-hmm. add another thing that is really unique about Shahnameh, and mm-hmm. that's the authorial voice of the of the poet. Ferdowsi mm-hmm. does not disappear into the woodwork of his poem. He's not, unlike Homer, he is not commandeered by some demon to tell a story of the times past. He's fully present. He starts with introductions to the stories. He has morals Mm -hmm. of the story at the end. Sometimes he talks about himself, about his fear of not finishing this uh, great work that actually took 33 years to complete. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of his poverty, he talks, he mourns the death of his son. So Mm -hmm. it also is very, very different because the poet is present and we actually hear his voice. And for me, mm-hmm. as, my, as I translated uh, Shahnameh uh, and abridged it in 2013, this was really amazing because mm-hmm. Persian language hasn't changed much since Ferdowsi wrote his epic mm-hmm. in 1010, a uh, thousand and nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so actually this kind of sing-songy, and a complaintive voice of Ferdowsi is really haunting because it speaks in the current language that I speak. And mm-hmm. it is the voice of somebody from a thousand years ago. And so this is really one of the greatest aspects of Shahnameh. And it's uh, uh, regretful that some of the translators have uh, deleted these uh, kind of uh, authorial moments of Ferdowsi, and for this reason also mm-hmm. it is very different from other works of uh, world literature. I see. Yeah, um, I the the voice of the author in early literature, I'm a medievalist, so a, a big, a central question of the literature that I study is what's real, what's um, structured in the sort of constraints of the um, the genre or the poetic structure, whatever is going on. So I feel that the presence of the authorial voice must be 
very exciting. It can tell us a lot about what was going on a thousand years ago, but also a lot about how we are still very similar, or that Persian culture is still very similar, perhaps. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, this 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 kind of voice, this Ferdowsi's voice, mm-hmm. is uh, really incredible. As I was translating this, it is so present, and it conveys such a three dimensional, real, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, author beho- behind the epic mm-hmm. that is sometimes really astounding. Uh, Ferdosi comes through as this kind of dedicated, romantic, but also cantankerous and <laughs> annoyingly uh, autonomous and independent um, um, poet. Uh, for instance, he is a, he's a Shiite Muslim <laughs> who is definitely and very passionately attached to the Persian culture. Mm-hmm. He mourns the defeat of Iran in the in the land in the hand of the Arabs, mm-hmm. uh, and he states his Shiite beliefs in the beginning, in the introduction, the greatest uh, expand expanse of authorial uh, pronouncements in the beginning, knowing full well the king to whom this is, he is dedicating this poem because he has bankrupted himself throughout uh, doing this and he needs the money to finish it. He Mm -hmm. has to uh, dedicate this to a king and he knows that that king is a very um, single-minded anti-Shiite Sunni uh, believer and he has actually uh, massacred on occasion entire cities uh, for the crime of being Shiite. Mm -hmm. Now, Ferdowsi could have pulled his punches. He could have kind of soft pedal this she business because he is hoping to get a stipend from this king right but he doesn't right he right. Do, he basically doesn't doesn't care and also he although she's a, he's a shiite he doesn't he doesn't pretend to be pious mm-hmm. he openly in his authorial voice he talks about drinking wine about mm-hmm. really loving the wine that he drinks so he doesn't care about people around him either this right. cantankerous this completely independent, morally courageous personality with his moments of weakness fully in display, uh, his fears and his, uh, his terrors and, and his hopes, everything comes through. And this is one of the things that I really loved about Shalomah as I was translating it. Yeah, I wonder if you could say a little bit more about how this these historical aspects um, that Ferdosi brings in through his strong authorial voice, um, his way of living, and also the Iranian culture that he was writing in, as you were speaking about with his patron, who's Sunni and um, might be uh, antagonistic towards him. Could you say a little bit more about how these the the historical nature of this poem has affected scholarship surrounding it? which was something you mentioned at the panel. Yes, actually, you know, one of the things that Hamid does, uh, and it's really a a necessary corrective, is that uh, we should liberate Shahnameh not only from the strictures of Western scholarship, we should also liberate it from its nativist reading that Mm. became very prevalent in the 20th century under the influence of Western 
fascism, mm-hmm. the idea of kind of this racist Aryan culture that is superior to the Turks and the Arabs, as mm-hmm. some people have gleaned through Shahnama, <clears throat> this needs to be debunked. Ferdowsi does not, Shahnama is not uh, a, a nationalistic creed. Mm-hmm. Iranians are not always good. They're, they're archetypical enemies to Iranians are not always bad. Sometimes exactly the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. The Iranians are in the wrong and the we have uh, a Turanian uh, general who is superior to all Iranian generals, and the Iranian king actually respects and loves that uh, that person. So mm-hmm. you really don't have. Uh, we really have to uh, liberate Shahnameh from this nationalistic reading. And one of the things that mm-hmm. Hamid says in the book is that. Uh, Iranian kings throughout history have used Shahnameh for legitimizing their rule, especially after Ferdowsi, all the way up to the modern times. Iran has been ruled by Turkic um, uh, tribesmen and Mongolian invaders and all manners of, of different nationalities. And everyone, including Persians, everyone has used Shahnameh to legitimize their rule and connect their um, uh, ruling of Iran to the mythical past as if they are um, uh, a, an unbroken continuation of ancient kings. Mm-hmm. But uh, Shahnameh is not that. So it's kind of, Hamid uses this idea of this Trojan horse by sponsoring Shahnameh uh, they are kind of letting in this subversive view of of kingship, subversive view of of uh, the infallibility of the ruling dynasties in Iran, because we have kings such as Goshtasp uh, mm-hmm. and uh, such as uh, uh, Kekabus that are really weak and sinful and proud and criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, towards their, not only their people, but also towards their family. So in a way, uh, these, these epics are, I mean, Iranians should be, should be proud of Ferdowsi, not because he praises Iran, but because he represents a universalist and global view of the human condition mm-hmm. in his magnum opus. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a striking um, thing. And I think it speaks to what you've been saying about how this poem is incredibly unique in the material that it contains and also in the um, in the purpose that it serves. As you said, it's not a nationalistic text, although it has been used to legitimate rules since the time that it was written. Um, but I wonder if you could say any more about uh, what Hamid is doing in the book and the particular methodologies that he's using to speak about this text um, and to uh, to reframe the the narrative, the scholarly narrative that is going on surrounding it as you've begun to do. Yeah, I think this is a really wonderful book because it challenges uh, both the nativist Persian uh, reading of Shahnameh, but also the frameworks, both Orientalist and more um, leftist uh, uh, structures that have been put on Shahnameh. And it's an invitation to read the Shahnameh. And if you are going to construct a kind of a framework for world literature, mm-hmm. it should be done uh, not 
بیفور ریدینگ شاهنامه بات افتر ریدینگ شاهنامه سو هول ایده ایز لایک ا میتر اف کاتگوریزیشن سمثینگ دت کیم تو مای مایند اند آی منشند ان مای تاک بریفلی واز دت یو نو دی انالوجی فرام فرام ایولوشن اف دی هورس دی هورس دی انیمال ایولوف ان دی نیو ورلد بات دن ایت وانیشد فرام دی نیو ورلد ات دی تایم maybe 60 million years ago when the horse was evolving in the new world it was it kind of looked like a goat or a fox and you can imagine that you know if we if we want to create an a, 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 an ideal type of a horse as we have seen from the records in the new world mm-hmm. it's going to look very very different from the modern horse Right. So you can imagine like people in the new world kind of debating does this modern horse belong in the family of the horse or not mm-hmm. So th- this is kind of a defective way of thinking because once you see the modern horse you have to revamp the whole the whole idea of what a horse is right. the horse cannot be successfully and correctly conceived of in absence of the modern horse what what Hamid is mm-hmm. basically saying is that shahnama is this modern horse it is fully evolved it is fully developed and shoving it into the old categories of uh, the epic as we have gleaned from the western world um, uh, or including it just won't do it we have to revamp the whole idea of of uh, world literature of epic of history of theology when we see these are all so well integrated into this into this work um, and how the authorial voice also appears to be entirely comfortable uh, in the, in this context the poet very proudly representing himself in this in this uh, world mm-hmm. and uh, an older um, debate that raged uh, about shahnameh was whether it was written from oral Uh, transmissions mm-hmm. probably the way Homer wrote his epic or whether it was uh, taken from a written archetype and again this is this uh, bespeaks the Western uh, uh, scholars view of of Shahname taking their cues from the east uh, uh, from the Western world rather than from what was happening in the Islamic world mm-hmm. Shahname was written at the height of the Persian Renaissance where literacy was extremely high science philosophy mathematics astronomy and literature were at their height at this time that Europe was undergoing its dark ages and so uh, using the analogy from the West Western world to understand the Shahnameh ignoring the actual context of it is one of the flaws of Shahnameh scholarship that uh, Hamid doesn't uh, talk about it but other scholars such as um, Dr. Mahmoud Omid Salar has, has uh, discussed in his works so again we really need to pay more attention to not only shahnameh and epics of that kind but also we should understand them in their proper context rather than a kind of conceiving them in the context of western development absolutely absolutely and i hope that um hamid's book along with the work of others will help the field get there 
Uh, that is my hope as well. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for speaking with me this morning. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast celebrating Hamid Dabashi's The Shaname, the Persian epic as world literature. I hope you'll join us next time when we discuss Pierre Mattia Tomasino's book, The Venetian Quran, a Renaissance companion to Islam. From Columbia University's Society of Fellows and Heyman Center for the Humanities, I'm Ann Levitsky.